tell your neighbors, tell all your friends. It's the answers you need to know. It's the Wyatt Sharp Show. You're tuned into the Wyatt Sharp Show. Join 12-year-old host, Wyatt Sharp, each week as he interviews a Canadian politician to discuss the economy, climate change and politics. Here's your host, Wyatt Sharp. So Wyatt, where, where are you filming me from? Uh, Orno. Orno, okay, perfect. I'm in Brockville. Oh, that's cool. Hello, everyone, and welcome to, uh, to the show today. Steve Clark, Ontario's Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, is joining me. Uh, hello, Steve, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. You're uh, you're famous. I'm glad that uh, I can join the ranks of the Premier and others on uh, on this podcast. So thanks so much for, uh, for having me with you today. Thank you very much. So my first question to you today is, uh, why did you get involved in politics and when did you decide to get involved? Well, it's, fun. it's actually funny you asked me that because I was just on a Zoom call and somebody wanted to see a picture of me with air. So here's a shot of me as a 22-year-old mayor. So I first got involved in, see, so you can see my uh, all my, my long hair there. So I first got involved in politics at uh, the age of 22. I ran for mayor of Brockville um, and uh, I campaigned in the 1982 election. I got elected. I was mayor for three three-year terms. So I was mayor for nine years in Brockville and I went on to become the president of the Association of Municipalities of Ontario. And then I got out of office in, uh, in 1991 at the age of 31. And I, I worked for the local newspaper. And uh, then I worked for my predecessor, Bob Runsman, for a few years. I was the chief administrative officer in Leeds in the Thousand Islands. And then I got elected as an MPP uh, 11 years ago last week, uh, March 4th, 2010. And uh, in the uh, election in 2018, when we became government, on June 29th of 2018, Premier Ford uh, instilled me as his Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing. So I've been involved in politics on and off uh, for you know almost 40 years. Got involved at a very young age because I believe very strongly that at whatever age you're at, you have a voice that uh, that can be heard at either the municipal, uh, provincial, or federal level. So politics was always something that interested me, uh, Wyatt, and it just happened that I made a decision to put my name on a ballot back uh, just after I graduated from university. For sure. So out of any parties you could have chosen, why did you decide to run with the PC Party of Ontario? Well, you know, I, I firmly believe that, uh, that the Ontario PC Party is a is a very uh, pragmatic party that uh, that looks at government, uh, you know, smaller government in a in a way that uh, you know looks after people. And you go back and look at the history of the Ontario PC Party uh, in the province of Ontario. We governed the party for the, the province for many years, and we brought in some extremely important programs. You know, I look at even in my own riding things like uh, St. Lawrence College. You know, we we started the college system. We started. Uh, you know, a very vigorous uh, building um, program on our highways when we were younger. You know, we, we invested in, in health care and education. And you go into communities like the one that I live in in Brockville, 
uh, in ridings like I represent of Leeds, Grenville, Thousand Islands and Regal Lakes. And you see a tremendous uh, part of the, the province was built up through PC governments. I'm lucky. I had some pretty amazing cabinet ministers represent uh, where I grew up. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I remember Jimmy Ald, uh, the Honorable James A.C. Ald uh, coming to my high school graduation. And Minister Ald uh, did many things uh, for, um, you know, Premier Robarts, Premier Davis, um, then Bob Runciman, who was a multi-cabinet uh, minister with Premier Davis and uh, also Premier Harris. You know, I was, I was very lucky to have those type of role models in my riding who, you know, helped really shape my opinion on ultimately where I wanted to uh, to run, but also how I wanted to operate as a, as a politician. For sure. So my next question is um, on, on the idea of housing. Um, so the cost of housing continues to go up. Do you think that there is a solution to bring the cost of housing down? Or do you think at this point, we're trying to find a solution to make sure that it doesn't go up even more? No, I, yeah, I, I do. I do think there's an opportunity to 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 benefit uh, the housing file. Obviously, uh, there's not one thing. There's not a silver bullet that uh, is is the is the is the solve of of the problem. I, I think in Ontario, when we took over, we had a housing file that was largely ignored by the previous government. Uh, we decided that housing supply was a particular problem. There wasn't enough houses to meet demand. So we put a variety of policies in. One of them was our, our uh, housing supply action plan, more homes, more choice. That was part of Bill 108. That really set the stage for a number of measures that would provide more opportunities for people to build housing, to make it easier, uh, make it faster to build housing. And by doing so, you would ultimately have um, uh, the affordability piece that you would have to give people the options uh, in, in different communities, both large and small. So there was a number of policies we put forward. Ultimately, um, the pandemic, uh, you know, stopped some of the plans, but I have to tell you that some of the metrics uh, that we were looking at, housing starts up 15% in the province. Um, we saw purpose-built rental. So this is uh, uh, rental housing. We saw that increase. Uh, more housing was built and rental uh, last year than we've seen since 1992. So I think some of our policies did very, very well in terms of increasing housing supply. For sure, so you, you mentioned that you do think that there is an opportunity to maybe try and bring um, the cost of housing down. So how long do you think it will take out maybe post pandemic to, to bring the cost of housing down to more reasonable levels again? Yeah, I, I think what, what we really need is, is to keep the same level of cooperation we had during the pandemic with the three levels of government. I'm convinced that if we continue to work with municipalities and the federal government, um, they'll, we'll put more money in the system at all three levels so that we can build more housing, which, which ultimately I hope will get the cost down. The problem we have in Ontario, quite frankly, is the fact that under the national housing strategy, you know, our core housing need is so great that the federal government probably shorts us you know, upwards of $490 million. If we had that, those dollars, we could build more housing and really do a lot better job. For sure. So my next uh, question for today is, we see even some houses where I live at least costing around seven to $800,000 with that being considered reasonable. Um, and then even renting, renting is maybe 1,800 to 2,000 a month being considered reasonable for let's say a basement apartment. 
Um, so with that being considered reasonable is is from what you see is housing going to, uh, is housing going up province wide or is it kind of just maybe in some more uh, urban areas of the province? No, I, no, I think that I think there's a story in every city on housing need. Um, obviously, we want to promote more types of housing. Uh, you know, people that live in single family homes. We want to we want to promote the fact that, that that if they're able to, they should consider uh, creating a second suite, which would which would allow uh, another um, rental uh, unit for their community. We've, we're encouraging um, municipalities, the province, the federal government to look at the the vacant land that they own and see if they can repurpose it to create more housing, to work with nonprofits like Habitat for Humanity, to try to create more stock out there. And then as well, I, I think there's a great opportunity to intensify, you know, around in urban areas, around major transit station areas, every, you know, leading city in the world uh, intensifies around transit. But yet in Ontario, we've been faced with this not in my backyard or NIMBY syndrome, where people fight that intensification. And if there's one thing that I've heard as minister since 2019 is people want to live near transit, they want to be able to get to work, and they want to be able to get get home in a in a reasonable time. Intensifying is 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 something that I think we also have to look at. So again, it goes back to what I said in the housing supply action plan. There's not one measure. There's multiple measures we need to do as a government. The housing supply action plan looked at a whole bunch of things cost, mix, rent, innovation. I think we have to be innovative. And, and there's a lot of municipalities wide that are looking at real neat innovative things like tiny homes that I think will help first time home buyers and seniors that are looking to, uh, to downsize. So there's lots of great ideas out there. Yeah, no, for sure. So do you think, because a lot of the people I had, Jeff Wielden, who's, who's a, a lo who's a well-known local person who's a real estate agent and, and a former politician and he said at this point it's really an issue of supply and demand and that we don't really have enough supply um and and that's part of the reason why housing prices are so high so do you believe that that's true as well i do i think we inherited a a, a supply problem and that's why every plan that i've put forward uh has been based on creating more supply we need to create more types of housing. We need to create a better mix of housing, um, but we we really need to, to step things up. And if you've heard uh, the Premier and I talk, we believe, he and I, that building of housing, um, we need to focus on as a government. We, we have to get shovels in the ground. And I think as part of our economic recovery post COVID, we'll be judged by the amount of shovels that are in the ground. So I agree, everything we look at in my ministry is with the lens of how we can create uh, more housing supply. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, and I'll give you the opportunity to speak to kind of like a local perspective now for in your riding. What What's housing looking like in your riding right now? Is it in terms of maybe the average housing price? Yeah, you know, we're, we're like most, uh, you know, we've seen, we've seen increases in uh, housing prices as the pandemic has pushed people out of the GTA, even though I'm you know, Brockville's three and a half hours away from the GTA. We're starting to see people from other urban areas um, move into our area. So we are seeing the increase in housing price. I think I think there are some municipalities that are looking at some of those innovative things like tiny homes. There's also um, an incredible appetite to build new affordable housing. We, you know, the majority of our community housing stock was built, uh, you know, in, in, when I was a kid, you know, in the, in the early 70s. 
um, you know, we, we haven't seen a, a, a big influx. And I think both what the federal and provincial government are trying to do is they're really trying to encourage people to build. And I think that's the issue. So, you know, whether it's in Brockville or Belleville, whether it's in, you know, Oral or Oral Medante, you know, you're, you're going to have, uh, you know, challenges and we need to build. That's plain and simple. Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, We've talked about housing, um, but because you are a member of the government still, um, and kind of to talk about it on a bit of a local perspective for your riding and for some of the people who are listening who are from your riding, um, uh, let's kind of go over to the COVID area. So um, there's been weeks during the pandemic where no vaccine shipments have been made to Canada. Uh, I interviewed Monty McNaughton, and he specifically said that the premier is the one who is calling the CEOs of vaccine companies. Um, when realistically that should be a responsibility of the federal government, but should people be concerned that the deadline of September 2021 to get all Canadians vaccinated is unrealistic? And do you believe all Ontarians will be able to be vaccinated by that time or specifically the people uh, in, in your riding? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I was very worried early on that we weren't, who, you know, federal government hadn't secured enough vaccines. I'm very encouraged today to see that there's a fourth vaccine that's been approved by Health Canada. So I do think there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, now, in saying that, um, you know, uh, local ridings like mine, uh, rural ridings, I am still concerned at the ability of the health unit to get things out. And I, I've always been an, 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 you know, someone who has supported uh, the community to get involved. And the one thing that I've realized under COVID-19 is, is everybody's willing to band together. Everybody's willing to help each other. And, and I think there, the, this true volunteer spirit is out there that we can rally the community and get people vaccinated. So while I was uh, you know, a bit down on the federal government at the start for not getting enough vaccines, the fact that we do have now four different vaccines that are approved by Health Canada, I'm, uh, you know, my message to people in my riding is we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And starting on Monday, I'm hoping that the booking system that my local health unit is putting together is going to deliver for the people of, uh, of my area. For sure. So in, in my, as you just mentioned, we've seen four vaccines get approved by Health Canada. Um, in my writing right now, we're kind of focusing on vaccinating, I believe, people 80 plus. I know that my uh, 88-year-old great-grandma just got the vaccine yesterday. And oh, that's great. That was definitely a, a relief for all of us. But what is the situation in your riding? Because I know it's different all across the province. It are who who's the basically who's the demographic that's uh, being vaccinated in your riding right now? Yeah, so so I'll give you an example. So you you, you mentioned your grandma. So my my mother-in-law, my wife's mom, uh, lives in Gananoque in my riding. So we got a call uh, from uh, her uh, clinic, uh, her family health team indicating that, you know, because of her age, she's there. So we now have been emailed a list of four um, immunization areas uh, in the in the area. One of them in Brockville is no longer taking appointments. I guess they must be full, but she's got three other choices. So we'll, we'll take her to the vaccination center and she'll get vaccinated. My mom's over 80 as well. She lives in Brockville. She hasn't got a call yet from her family doctor, although I think she has registered with the local health unit. So, you know, again, it is a process. The, 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 the city just, sorry, the province just announced the pilot project. So next door in the riding in Kingston, uh, there's some pharmacies that are that have started to indicate that they'll have the AstraZeneca 
uh, virus. So that'll be people who will be between 60 and 64. So it'll be people built, uh, born between 1957 and, and 1961. So I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see, and again, starting Monday, you'll start to see more needles and arms moving forward. But it is, you know, it, there is that concentration of people in long-term care homes, retirement homes, and people that are over 80, that is the focus right now. For sure. Uh, so ne our next topic is small businesses. So they've obviously been negatively impacted by COVID-19, some of them um, just losing revenue um, in, in the yearly period, or some of them having to unfortunately close their doors. Um, have you, what steps have you taken um, in your community to ensure that small businesses can stay open? Yeah, well, we, we want to make sure that small businesses are aware of, of the government programs as well. Obviously, when uh, the province was in lockdown, everyone was sort of on the same uh, in the same boat. If you were non-essential, you know, our riding's been been lucky. We were one of the first ones to go back to green. Now I know that there have been outbreaks uh, outside of my riding, but within the public health unit area up in Lanark County, that will probably cause our area to go into. Uh, the yellow or perhaps the orange uh, starting tomorrow. Um, that'll still allow businesses to open. I think the, the, the challenge that I see on the horizon is we've got a tremendous amount of tourism businesses, businesses that are open only in the summer uh, because of the fact that, you know, I represent the world famous Thousand Islands and the beautiful Rideau Lakes and Rideau River system. So tourism is a big aspect. Uh, you know, small businesses have really been hurt hard. And I want to make sure, and I've spent, you know, a lot of resources communicating to businesses in my riding about the, uh, the programs that are available for them. And we're going to keep working with them. And, and uh, you know, I want to encourage people to shop local. You know, we've got to, we've got to support those local businesses uh, as part of our economic recovery. So, uh, you know, um, it's, it's, it's vitally important. For sure. So my, uh, our last topic today is um, the 2022 Ontario election, which is only about uh, in June. It will be about a year away. So uh, why should the people in your riding reelect you as their MPP when that time comes? Um, and then ha has has any uh, have any opponents been chosen yet for you? You know, I haven't heard of any other candidates that have been nominated. I was nominated uh, some time ago. Um, you know, as I said to you, Wyatt, I've, I've been an MPP since uh, since March of 2010, and over the last 11 years, I've proven both in opposition and in government that I work hard and that I get results. And you know, I've just put out uh, a number of, um, of flyers out in in my riding to talk about things that I've been able to deliver on money to our hospitals. Um, you know, we're, we're we're you know the one thing that I'll put up in my riding against anybody. We've actually got two huge PPE manufacturing plants. We've got a, a $75 million plant that's building N95 masks here in Brockville, a 3M expansion. We've got a $100 million expansion to Greenfield Ethanol that will be built. We'll be manufacturing hand sanitizer grade alcohol for Canada. Um, so, you know, we've been able to, in a pandemic, uh, bring two world class plants that are going to serve us. Uh, well over the future. We've been able to, to, to bring uh, ministers here almost every month, uh, delivering on promises that we made during the election. Uh, I work hard and I get results, and I'm going to continue to work hard over the next uh, year and a bit. 
uh, to you know uh, serve my constituents and to uh, fight for our fair share. And that's what it's all about. For sure. Um, so that was my last question. So thank you very much again, uh, Steve, for joining me today. And it's been great talking with you. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. And, th and thanks so much for doing what you're doing. It's just, it's, it's tremendous uh, to see such a young person deliver such a wonderful message here and inspiration. And I just want to thank you so much for having me today. Thanks so much. Thank you.